You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Father's Day. I wanted some extra time to preach on Father's Day. What do you preach on Father's Day? And uh, I, I feel uh, we're in Genesis chapter 2. Uh, I'll, I'll ask at this time, we want to keep distractions to a minimum. So uh, if you have a cell phone, let's go ahead and put that on silent. And uh, we definitely want to make sure we are able to focus on God's word. Uh, I think one of the more difficult things uh, as a pastor is to preach on special days. There seems to be uh, kind of a, I think it's fairly expected uh, that a preacher would uh, preach a message on the special day that matched that day and uh, do my best to do that. So I was praying and thinking about a message to preach on Father's Day. And uh, oh, and I wrote down some dad jokes as well. Um, no, don't groan, don't groan. Uh, just to get us uh, started here, uh, let's see. What do you call an alligator in a vest? An investigator. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, how do you know when a joke is a dad joke? You always know because it's apparent. And where did the general put his armies? In his sleeveys. Okay, so what do you... (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) People are going to be getting that. It's 11.22 at 11.44. Somebody in here. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll just take it as an amen, right? Okay, so... Oh, my favorite is why are peppers so annoying? Because they're jalapeno business. Okay, so anyways, what do you preach on Father's Day? And I remember seeing a post about uh, preachers on Mother's Day, and it's all, you're beautiful, you're wonderful, you're loved, you're appreciated, and on Father's Day, it's, y'all better shape up. So uh, and there's a lot, there's a lot in the Bible about fatherhood, and uh, there's definitely no shortage of material. There's, I was looking about young fathers, praying fathers, father figures, uh, father failures. I was looking up uh, some really bad fathers, some really good fathers. But then the, uh, the Lord brought a thought to my mind, and I based the message off of it here. Every good father is first a good man. If we ever hope to be a good father, we must first strive to be a good man. And I'll go farther, farther. I'll go farther. See, I just punned myself. I'll go farther and say, if we want to be a good man, we need to be a godly man. So in other words, y'all better shape up. (laughs) Now, here's all I wish to do this morning. I want to look at God's idea of manhood. When, when God made man, what did he have in mind? Now, notice how I asked that, ladies. I didn't say when God made man, what was he thinking? I said when God made man, what did he have in mind? And I would argue that God's idea of manhood is the right idea of manhood. So what better way to find out what God had in mind when he made man than by reading the account of when he made man? 
I'm not interested in the world's idea of manhood. I'm just not. And uh, when you, or, or man's idea of manhood, I'm not, I'm not interested in that. Um, when you look at the, the usual commercial today or a movie or a TV show, I mean, men are often portrayed as the bumbling, useless moron who maybe every once in a while does something right. I'm not offended by that. I mean, men can take a joke. We, we invented jokes. But try to find a show or a commercial where the man isn't like some brute or the punchline or effeminate or just ignorant of everything. Now, that's not who my dad was. My, my dad was my hero. My dad is my hero. Uh, but I believe whether they realize what they're doing or not, you know, maybe they're just seeking to bring a laugh or, or they're seeking to, to switch things around. I, I see an agenda behind it all to redefine what it means to be a man. Because I think the devil knows if he can remove or if he can redefine God's idea of manhood, he's got this country. So what is God's idea of manhood? Let's look in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. That's a good thing about being a man right there. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And the Lord said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him in help meet for him, or a help that is suited for him, designed for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found in help meat for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. That's going to happen to many of the men this afternoon. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. We're going to go ahead and pray now. Heavenly Father, help us as we look into your idea of manhood. Watch over our church. And I thank you so much for the men that we have in this church, and their leadership, and their desire to serve you. Help us all to do better this year where we need to do better. Help us to continue in the areas where we can continue. Help us to stop in the areas that we need to stop. Oh, Father, what this country needs so much right now is godly manhood. And we ask that you would help us here at Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, to be a lighthouse in this matter. And we ask this in your name. Amen. So the first thing, did you notice it? 
first thing that God does when he makes man, he puts him to work. He puts him to work. So in verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So what do I see here? God's idea of manhood is a man that has direction. Men should be doing something. Men should be going somewhere with their lives. God created man to work, and not just work, to work with their hands. I, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervous about a man that doesn't get his hands dirty. When I shake a man's hand, I, I, want, I want it to feel like I'm grabbing a, a cinder block. Right? I don't want to shake hands with a salmon, okay? Uh, just Fathers, teach your sons how to work. Teach them how to swing a hammer. Teach them how to, uh, to use a drill. Teach them how to read a tape measure. Fix a flat tire. Uh, teach them how to swing a baseball bat. And if you really love the kid, teach them how to play hockey. Uh, the great thing about hockey is it doesn't matter how small you are. If you hit that big guy just right, he's going down. It's fantastic. And then you just scurry away. You're like, what's me? I don't know. And you have a stick that you can use at any time. The temptation is so fantastic. And I mean, it's just at any time you can just drop it and get into a fight. And the referee doesn't stop you. He just says, you better get it over with. Make it good. And then you go in a timeout for five minutes. And then you can come back out and play like nothing happened. Hockey is fantastic. Teach your, teach your child. Ladies, 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 let your boys be boys. Let your boys be boys. Let them get dirty every now and then. Let them eat dirt. It's OK. Now, I understand every single parent goes through the, the progression with the first child they find eating dirt, and we're calling the CDC and the WHO, which can we even trust them anymore? We're covering the, uh, we're, we're calling the poison control. <laughs> he ate dirt. Is he going to be okay? He's made of dirt. We learned that the other day. He'll, he'll be just fine. But then by the time you get to the second and third child and you see him eating dirt, you're thinking, so they don't have to eat lunch now, right? <laughs> So there is a progression, but let them do that. Ladies, let them fall down every now and then. Let them strap a, a comforter to their back and treat it like a parachute and jump off the first story. It's, it's okay. Let them make a bike ramp out of cardboard and bricks and have them learn for themselves the devastating effects of gravity. They'll be all right. They need to break a bone every now and then. God made men to work, to work with their hands. Uh, look, I'm not saying that ladies shouldn't have effect upon men. Of course they shouldn't. We're going to look into that. And if you want to teach your son how to, how to bake, okay. But make sure he knows how to grill. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Or teach him how to bake cookies on the grill. That, that would be fantastic. If you want to teach them how to, how to garden and grow things, fine. But if he goes off and starts climbing a tree, don't yell at him and tell him to get back to the arugula. The arugula will be okay. Let him climb a tree. He's a boy. And God has made him to work. God has made man to have direction. Men cannot walk around without seeing something and thinking, what can I conquer today? The speed limit? What else can I conquer today? You know, you can't carry all those groceries in one trip. 
I mean, we're, we're, we're putting the broomstick through it all and we're carrying it like a caveman. We'll get it in one trip. Men are constantly looking for something to do. He's made man to do that, and not only that, to finish what he started. Before this whole pandemic, we had a pandemic of, of a generation coming up that wants the results without the work or works without caring about the results. And we just seem to think that the country is going to keep on going well and that families are going to keep on going well as soon as the marriage gets hard, quit. As soon as school gets hard, quit. As soon as the job gets hard, they told me I have to be here on time. He has built within us a drive to set goals, to conquer obstacles, and, and complete it, to complete it. God has put that in every single man. Now, here's where we find the first major difference between man's idea of manhood or the world's idea of manhood and God's idea of manhood. The world's idea, according to the world, men have been given this drive to conquer and accomplish for the sole purpose of pleasing themselves, for the sole purpose of serving themselves. Follow your dreams, set your own goals, follow your heart. Do, the Bible calls that something, doing what's right in your own eyes. That's not God's idea of manhood. That is not why God made us the way that he did. God did not give us breath to live for ourselves. He made us, gentlemen, to serve him and to live for him. That is why we are here, to set goals to, with him in mind, to conquer obstacles for his glory, to complete tasks in his will, not our own. Verse 16 and 17, the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but... Of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So from the beginning, God's idea of manhood was a man who had direction, but not direction of his own making. Men were made to serve where God told them to serve, to stop where God told them to stop. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I would say the stops of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And everything was going real well until Adam said, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to do things my way. I'm not going to trust God anymore and do things his way. I'm going to do things my way. And we all have that same choice. Can I put it this way? Gentlemen, even though God made us to serve and obey him, God does not make us serve and obey him. Does that make sense? We're not mindless robots. We do have a free will, and it's our choice. And sir, that's why the Bible tells me we are supposed to die to self. We take our will, our desires, our goals, and we consider them dead, or we will not be faithful. We will not be faithful to serve God in the way that we should. Because men are men, we have this built-in drive to plan and conquer, accomplish, complete. Because men are sinners, we want to use that drive for us. We want to use that drive for our pleasure rather than God's purpose. And that's not what God had in mind. His idea for men was to use 
our God-given drive and initiative to do something for him. And that's why you will never find a man that is happier than the man who realizes and recognizes, I have been placed here on earth for one purpose, and that's to serve the Lord. And that's what I'm going to do. You will never find a happier person, a happier man than that. Sir, do you think it's satisfying to complete that home improvement project? And there's no leaks, no creaks. You didn't have to use scotch tape once. Yes, that's satisfying. You think it's satisfying to obtain a promotion at work that you really worked hard for? Of course it is. You think it's satisfying to reach a physical or financial goal? Of course it is. God made you that way. It's satisfying because God made you to conquer these things. But nothing brings satisfaction to the soul of man, the heart of man, than when we serve, obey, and accomplish things for God. That's why God made you. That's why God made you, sir. And the great thing is, because God made you to do it, you're going to be good at it. Men don't like not being good at things. We just, if, because, again, God made us to conquer, not maintain. He made us to be the champion. No, we're not smiling on the second place podium. That silver medal's probably going in the trash. Second place, first loser. That's what man hears. We want, no, we, we want to be first. That's what we're striving for. Okay, so think about all these things that maybe you first started in your life, maybe that you began. Okay, the first time you tried to dribble a basketball and it hits you in the face. Or the first time you went out on, on a hockey rink in ice skates and you looked like a, a newborn giraffe trying to take its first steps. But what happens? God put within you a drive. God put within you this, this motivation to keep going. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to see it through. And before you know it, you can hold your own. All I'm saying is use that drive, use that motivation for God, not just for yourself. Romans 6.19 says the members that we used to use, the members of our body, that we used to serve sin and iniquity unto iniquity, he says, now, why don't you use it to serve the Lord? Why don't you use it for righteousness' sake? The feet that you wouldn't let quit when you were first learning to run, okay, well, let those feet keep moving you when you're just learning how to soul win. Or those hands that you kept on cutting and bruising when you were learning how to fix a car, okay, well, use those hands for the Lord. Use your eyes for the Lord. You, that same drive can be easily applied to God as it can be applied to your own will. Read Haggai. And you will find satisfaction that you've never found before. So gentlemen, here, here's a challenge. I'm going to read my Bible every day. That's what I'm going to conquer. Never done that before. Never been able to do that before. But that's my goal. I'm going to read my Bible every day for the next month. I'm not going to miss. If I wake up in the middle of the night, TV's still going, and I haven't read my Bible, I'm going to get up and I'm going to read. I'm going to read something. How about lead a soul to Christ? I've never led a soul to Christ. I'm going to lead a soul to Christ. It's going to take me learning some things, memorizing some things. That's my goal. Lord, I want to accomplish that. I want to be faithful in prayer. I want to be faithful to church. I want to find an area to serve at church, and I'm going to be good at it. I want to be the best usher there is. I'm, that's fine. I don't be fighting each other. 
no, that's my section. <laughs> Don't worry. Hey, I'm going to be the best cleaner. I'm going to be the best sound man. I'm going to be the best security guard. No, don't go Barney Fife all over people. <laughs> you know, don't be patting people down. <laughs> Step away from the door, Grandma. No, 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 none of that. Oh, I'm going to be the best security guard. I'm going to keep my eyes open. I'm going to be the best deacon. I'm going to be the best choir. I'm going to be the best amener. Hey, we need good ameners yeah. in the church. Thank you, Brother Loveday. Yeah, say it every now and then. It's fine. Even if you just wake up, amen. There is a, <laughs> two funny stories with that. So first of all, uh, people would fall asleep in college all the time. Um, and then people would leave their phones on during service all the time. So one of the men got the idea. He recorded himself just saying, amen, hallelujah. So if he ever left his phone on, it would just go, amen, hallelujah. And nobody would find it and he wouldn't get fined. Uh, but then there was another time somebody fell asleep in class. And right in the middle of the lecture, somebody woke him up. Hey, 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 he just called on you to pray. So <laughs> right in the middle, he just said, dear Lord, thank you so much. <laughs> oh, college, good times. I don't know how I got off on that. Oh, but be, be a good amen or be active in service. Come to give back just a little bit. If I say something that you agree with, let me know. Let me know. It helps. It helps. You'll never be happier, sir, than when you obey and serve the Lord. Now, there's a reason why many men don't do this. It's not easy. Christian life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And in a marathon, no matter how strong you are, no matter how fit you are, you're going to hit a wall. You can read that about every... Marathon runners talk about the wall, how you have to get through the wall. In fact... If we try to do this on our own, we're setting ourselves up for failure. So there's a man called Elijah. And read in 1 Kings 18 how he comes up against Ahab and he faces all of these false accusations. Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Elijah? No. Ahab, you're the one that troubles Israel. And he says, okay, we're going to have a showdown. And it's Elijah against 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the grove. One against 850. And read throughout 1 Kings 18 of all of the service, all of the ministry, all of the things practically that Elijah does by himself. He set up the altar. He put it back together when it was broken. He did all of those things and he did them all himself. He sees that great victory. You would think mountaintop. I mean, Elijah is going for a long time now. When a man accomplishes something, oh, we're good to go, aren't we? First Kings 19, he's running from Jezebel. Is he scared of Jezebel? He just killed 850 men. I don't think he's scared of Jezebel. I think it's the straw that broke the camel's back. There's only so much I can do on my own. And that's why he runs. And the man that God had planned never to die, Elijah says, I want to die. Lord, let me die because I'm not better than my fathers. And I, I love God's reaction. You know what he tells Elijah? Take a nap and eat something. So ladies, when, you're, when your husband is hangry, Okay, he's hungry and angry at the same time. Instead of getting into the argument then, just say, here's a cake and go to sleep. 
Oh, and then he woke up from the nap, and it still wasn't good enough. Here's another cake. Go back to sleep. And when he wakes up, and God asks him, Elijah, why are you here? What's going on? What's going through your mind? You know what Elijah said? I'm alone. I'm alone. I have worked over and over and over to serve you, and I'm all by myself. Twice he tells the Lord that. I can't do this alone. So you know what God tells him? Okay, you're going to get over this, and I'm going to give you Elisha. I'm going to give you help. Oh, and by the way, you're not alone. I've reserved 7,000 people who haven't bowed down to Baal. Now, here's what I'm trying to bring out. When God sees a man who's willing to serve him with all of his heart, he's going to use that man. There's work to be done. There's not a lot of time to do it. God made us to work, so he's going to put us to work. And there's, there's always another battle to fight. There's always another area to serve, another problem to solve, another person to help. So here's what I'm saying. God is not only looking for men who will use their life to serve him. He's also looking for men who are humble enough to recognize, I can't do this on my own. With all of my drive, all of our strength, all of our initiative, I'm going to need help along the way. And look at what God says in verse 18. And the Lord said it is, what are the next two words? Not good. Up until this point, everything's been good. Do you notice that? Chapter 1 of Genesis, seven times the Lord saw that it was good. Man serving alone, not good. He needs a help meet for him. And he gives him Eve. So let's not sugarcoat it, gentlemen. Let's just be straight up and honest. All of us who have been blessed by God to call ourselves husbands, wouldn't be worth killing without our, without our wives. Proverbs 18, 22. Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. This is the time to amen, gentlemen, especially if you have the, the ladies right next to you. Maybe do the whole, oh, it's a little cold in here, isn't it? Besides the gift of salvation, there is no greater way that God shows favor upon a man than by blessing him with a wife. For those of you who are younger, not one day should go by where you are not praying that the Lord would see fit to bless you with somebody. Don't get uncomfortable. It's all right. <laughs> Someday you're going to meet someone under a bridge, and, and they'll want to marry you. God doesn't use proud men who walk around like a peacock all the time. It's, can you tell? Can you tell? I'm trying. <laughs> Saying that they can just do everything themselves. So you read your proverb of the day. Yesterday you read, most men will declare, what does it say in Proverbs 20, verse 6? Give me a second, give me a second. I don't have the whole Bible memorized. Hang on. Proverbs 20, verse 6. I'm going to beat you to it. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. But a faithful man, who can find? Okay, so here's a couple things. First of all, 
Most men, prideful. Rare to find a faithful man. And do you, those last three words, Brother Davila, who can find? Does that remind you of another portion of scripture in Proverbs? Proverbs 31, who can find a virtuous woman? You know, I think if we had more faithful men, God would make more virtuous women. I'm a self-made man. Yes, sir. And you worship your creator, don't you? That's the problem with every self-made man. They worship the person that made them. God made man a little lower than the angels, and his pride has been bringing him lower and lower and lower ever since. We may not like to hear it, gentlemen, but the first time God said not good is when he saw you and me alone. They're going to need help. Find a self-made man, I guarantee you, the only thing he's made of himself is a mess. How boring, how pitiful, how helpless, how weak, how bruised and battered would we be without the help that God has brought into our lives, especially those of us who are blessed to have a wife. Look in verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. So do we see the natural progression here? Before God ever made a father, he had to make a godly man. Okay? And God's idea of manhood is a man who would have direction and the drive to do something to accomplish great things. Those great things were never meant to be determined by man. But by God, we follow his leading, we trust his way, we obey his will, we serve him, and we're never going to be able to do that on our own. So God, and, and God never meant for us to do it on our own. He gives us the Holy Spirit to comfort us. He gives us a pastor. He gives us a church family. He gives us grandparents, parents, guardians, siblings. But the greatest earthly gift he gives to a man is a help meet for him. And sirs, when God in his mercy gives us something so precious as a wife, it becomes our duty to cleave to her and to love her as yourself because you wouldn't be yourself without her. So it all comes down to this. If we want to be good fathers, we must first be good men. If we want to be good men, we need to be godly men. We were not made to serve ourselves. We were made to serve him. So, sir, what are you doing for God right now? What are you doing for the Lord right now? And if you were to write down all the things you were pursuing for yourself and all the things you were pursuing for the Lord, how would it match up? What would be the ratio? And don't believe the lie that when you serve the Lord, you'll never have time for yourself. God will allow you to do things that you never would have been able to do if you spent the rest of your life striving to do them. He would bring them to you if you put him first. We're not made to conquer our goals. We're made to conquer for the Lord. We're not made to obey our flesh and the lust thereof. We're made to obey the king of kings. Let me ask you something. Why would we serve ourselves when we can serve the Lord? 
And this isn't to puff us up with pride. In fact, it's to help us remember the exact opposite. We will never be the men of God that we are supposed to be without some help. And God's going to bring that to us. And when God is gracious enough to grant us that help, especially with a wife, oh, sir, love that woman. Cherish that woman. Take care of that woman. Love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That is God's idea of manhood. Well, then what? Well, then keep going forward and keep serving and keep obeying and keep humble and keep loving, but now you have a family behind you. And you love and you lead and you love more, and you lead more, and you love more, and you lead more, and you show your wife, and you show your children what it means to serve and follow God. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find, and the next verse, the next verse in Proverbs chapter 20. Let me give that to you, and we'll be done. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find, the just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.